as you're dropping in. Let our intention be for that, that our dropping in connects to all others dropping in globally at this time. For the good of all. So let everything slow down. your breath slow down. Let there be a sensation of letting go. Any thoughts come, pay no attention to them. Just let go again. Slowly bring an awareness to your feet. <coughs> and bring an awareness to your hands. Being awareness of your legs. And of your arms. Notice the rise and fall of your chest with each breath. Feel your torso widening and softening again with each breath. When you're ready, open your eyes. Let whatever calmness is within you remain with you.
Any after lunch sleeping casualties? <laughs> Someone for meditating for at two o'clock. Don't know. Hmm. Interesting for all the half an hour. Although after about twenty minutes, it was like, oh, there's a, there's a movement. But it went went down again for another ten. Anyway, the childly curiosities. Hmm. It's still throughout my day. 
And also by doing the 31-day um, mindfulness summit, you know, it's just kind of a training. So I'm trying to figure out um, what kind of what's what's going on with that because I don't want to be practicing. I don't want a goal, you know. And I've I've told you that when I come here, I don't think I'm going to get anything. I just come because I'm like, oh, it's going to be fun, something I want to do. So there's a lightness about that. Um, but I don't know if I'm if I'm really clear on what's going on and it's whatever's happening is happening. So it's okay if I feel like I'm practicing mindfulness. I'm a person. You know? Yeah. So could you kind of explain that that range, that yeah. going in between and flip flopping and yeah. All that fun stuff. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a question first, though. After retreats, there's just beingness and there's no me. What happens to bring the me about? What, what, what creates the me? I think just busyness of life. I get it. What's happened is when that happens, and I'm in the beingness, I want to just be more quiet, alone, I don't want to talk a lot, but ultimately life gets busy again with things going on and kids, and then I'm very identified again with the me story, and then I say, okay, I'm going to you know, meditate or listen okay. to a CD and try to tap back into that. Okay, all right. So, so if there's if there was a spiritual practice that was solid, I'm not saying to do it. I'm just kind of playing with what happens for you. If there was a spiritual practice that was solid, that that bridged right through that beingness phase and into when life got busy again, do you think there would be a better chance that it would be sustained? Like, do you lose all spiritual practice in in the beingness? You just drop all of it, and then life comes again, and then the suffering brings you back to spiritual practice. I have two questions in there. Yeah, um, I think there'll be just a few days of busyness, and then when I go back to the practice, it's maybe I'm just not getting okay. deep enough. So. Perhaps that's why the mindfulness has attracted me again, where it's like I have that intention in the morning. I start with yeah. a meditation, and, and um, it's, the focus is on the breath, yeah. and then that I can do that throughout the day. Uh-huh. That's, that's helpful to me. Okay, okay. All right. So, so whatever stage you get to after a retreat, and there's just being, that's when you get to that I am stage, no? where there's just being and there's no sign of you and there's nothing to observe because it's just being. So your system has drawn in, and of course there's a pull to not engage on the outside because it's complete and whole inside, and the outside is, as yet, it's becoming a distraction to you. So where we're going... Sure, you know, there is a progression in this. So where you're going is that the stillness is so solid inside that no matter how dynamic you are on the outside, it doesn't pull you away from the stillness. That's where it's going. 
So you're finding if you do meditate or do have a spiritual practice, you can sustain retreat for longer. Okay. Okay, yeah, there's pros and cons to this. Because to sustain and to nurture what you got at a retreat is a really good idea. But sooner or later, it tends to create a dependency on the spiritual practice. For some, spiritual practice continues always anyway. Post-enlightenment, post-all of it. It's just the habit that's been there. There's no harm in it at all. Just having an awareness of, of the level of attachment to it or the dependency on it. So if you can build it in in a clean way, it's like, this is like me exercising. This is like me eating well. This is like me whatever. Go for a walk in nature. So if we see it like that, rather than grasping or controlling, it's much more potent. It's much more potent. So your relationship with it is a healthy one. You, you know you're just integrating it into a healthy lifestyle because it makes you feel better. It's doing much something much deeper, but that way we have a loose relationship with it. Because somewhere it's for the me, of course, and that's where you don't want the goals, but ultimately there is a pull which is bringing you to this anyway. So the two of these can be actually at odds with each other. You see? Especially when the, the motivation is actually coming from your divine nature, from pure consciousness. So if the motivation is coming from that, and the mind also wants to do it, we very often go against our true nature because we're not going with the mind. Right? So... So I'd, I'd like to just kind of soften your relationship with self-inquiry or with meditation or the CD or whatever your mindfulness, whatever methodologies you have. Soften your relationship with it so that you choose to do it. You just choose to do it as part of your lifestyle. And if that decision is made, it kind of takes away the I need to do it or I, it takes away a whole... Yeah, yeah, the grasping, exactly. The grasping that goes onto it. So it's like a trick of the mind, but we're just integrating it. <clears throat> okay, if busyness is the thing that you can identify that takes you out, it's really useful for everybody to identify what is it that takes me out of the stillness when, when you know, when, when, I'm, when I'm clearly seeing, when I'm not in my story. What is the story that pulls me out? And if it's busyness for you, there's some part of your, literally your energetic body-mind, there's some part of it that can't, Move quickly, act quickly, think quickly, and stay in the stillness. It's as though speed is the thing that pulls you out. You see? So, it, that would be an interesting thing to practice. Because really it's just a mental block, but at the same time you kind of have to get your body-mind used to maintaining that frequency, but yet being able to be speedy if it needs to be speedy. But something inside is lining up with being speedy, and that means identification. Because you've left whatever frequency you have inside. It's like the dust hasn't settled enough, and, and the busyness takes over, and it stirs up the, the pond again, and all the mud comes to the top again. Do you know? We're back in the chaotic world. And the depth of what you are isn't accessible to you unless you kind of go after it and sit down and touch in. So there's a couple of things to do. So one is around having a, a lifestyle practice to just keep nurturing this. That will help 
to integrate the stillness into, into your life. But the second thing is to do is to actually practice. Like, I know if you go for a run or something, but like, in the beingness, go for a run. Do something that's physical. Or get really still in the car outside the supermarket. And do the week's shopping really quickly. Like there was a, somebody timing you to run around the store and get everything you can in the trolley in five minutes. <laughs> Play with it and see, okay, I'm now going to just move my body really quickly and see if this is sustained because you've got some kind of a shift that needs to happen to, at a cellular level. It's a cellular thing. It's about your vibration going up. But at the moment, you, 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 can't. you can't. You can't hold the two. It's like the bandwidth isn't solid enough here Something is sacrificed to go back up. Your attention can't stay in, in, in beingness. Because if speed comes in, it's like, whoops, it throws everything off. So the thing is, is to be solid enough so that speed doesn't throw you off. You know, it's like Neem Karoli Baba or there's some other contemporary teachers as well who, who Neem Karoli Baba, I remember his story because it's, it's somebody gave him six acid tabs because a few Westerners were just you know, messing with LSD at the time and using it for spiritual purposes, no? And somebody gave him six acid tabs, absolutely nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. So I'm going along that track with you. It's like this... He was so solid in that beingness that that bandwidth was so clearly established that no matter what he took, six acid tabs would... But any of us in hospital, I would imagine. Do you know? So, like, what happened there? That no matter what interfered with the chemistry of his body, and for you, it's it's you know, it's the chemistry of multitasking and being a mom and being busy and do what you're gonna do. So, so those things can happen, but the stillness is untouched. Makes sense. And as far as spiritual practice goes, um, can you speak to self-inquiry versus mm. other things? Yeah. So, mm, self-inquiry, as we say in Ireland. Um, so, self-inquiry is... It doesn't work as a painkiller. It just doesn't work in order to make suffering stop. It's like if your heart is broken because your dog died, you know, and a dog can be like a member of the family. And it's like, well, who's the one who's grieving? Actually, the grief just has to move. Sometimes it just won't work. It's like, no, this is the process that's going on and grief has to, has to be shared and that's it. So for, some, for a lot of suffering, there's a process going on and it's just going to have to roll itself out. It probably wouldn't work for PTSD either because it's like, no, 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 my system has been kicked and it just has to unravel itself now. You see? So where there is that, that component of where the body is going through a process, it's not going to work. But for milder things that just have a head loop going on, so like, let's say there's a, let's say there's a feeling of shame, and it's like, okay, who's the one feeling this shame? Depends on how deep the shame is. But quite likely it's like, actually there's nobody here. There's, there genuinely is nobody. Who, you know, just looking for who, who's the one, who's the anchor that's having this experience. And of course, if you search for who it is, there's nobody there. So it's a methodology that shows you that the eye is an illusion. 
With a spiritual practice, it's more a lifestyle. It's more a technique to unplug, to unplug, to unplug, and to return to source. So, in a way, spiritual practice is broader. It's much broader because it's always about unplugging from one perspective and going to a wider one, whatever it is. It's either going to bring your attention to a mantra or bring your attention to the observer or drop behind all of it or go and meditate or be mindful or da-da-da. And there's a pulling back, a shift in perception. There's a very particular shift in perception with self-inquiry because it's like, there's the eye, now what is it? Where is it? What is it? And the investigation of the eye shows you that it's empty. It's only a concept. If you go look for who you are, there's nothing there. So it's just one particular thing. We could call it a spiritual practice, but it doesn't have the same capacity to be there for the long term. It wears out at some point. Whereas you can continue meditation forever. Nisargadatta did, did bhajans, did chanting a couple of times a day his whole life, right through the whole thing. Even when there was nobody that he was chanting to and it was just chanting was happening, right through the whole thing. Whereas self-inquiry will always show you, well, the, uh, the I thought is just a thought. Who I think I am is only who I think I am. There's actually nobody there, if you investigate. Will it bring you beyond this? No, it can't. It can't bring you, bring you to prior to existence because you're going to end up with you're going to end up with the absolute with the natural state that's where it'll bring you the place of no I so it brings you from there's a sensation of the I or there's some kind of perception of I and let's investigate and there's no I that's what it's going to do it's a very specific thing when the I is known to be not real it's like Anytime the sense of me comes up, it's known that it's not me. It's only a sense of me. It's never, I'm here. And that, that's a good thing to figure out, actually. It's like, as the beingness fades out, if it fades out next week, it's like, all right, is there a sense of me coming? Or is this full-on me in my world and the other thing is just a concept? The sense of beingness is just some nice thing that happened last weekend, but actually that's not real at all anymore. That's really when there's a me playing. The sense of me is fine. There's like, yeah, there's a sense of individuality here. That's fine. That's a sense of personal consciousness that, that this localized perceiving machine has a sense of individuality. That's fine. That can be there. That can always be there for some. It can be very healthy, actually. Making sense? Mm. So I'm in the middle of something there. Was I? Was I? I'm having a fresh moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm um, <clears throat> was thinking about maybe um, setting up a knee-story obstacle course in my house. Uh-huh. I've got an extra bedroom. I thought I'd put out like five things bring me most into the me story. Things I tell stories about, you know, like a t-shirt with a company logo or a, a book that it's a lot of identification around. And then I would just go down in the morning and look at those things, sort of to start the day going through this obstacle course. 
So you would be bringing them to mind yeah. to kind of feed the mind and then throw them aside? Yeah. Okay, I like it. Why not? <laughs> try everything. Do you know? Try everything. You don't know what's going to tilt the balance, but something will. Yeah. Especially when I'm, you know, relating with people, like even coming here, you know, I find myself going so quickly into me story when I'm trying to be social with the other people here. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't even know how to be social without doing the me story. It's like, and, you know, last night you wrote this thing on the website about. I'm going to read it. Sure. Start me I don't see other people. I see what I am presenting as personalities, believing self-created stories. That really struck me. There was a phase in my own journey of where I would, when I had to go into a social scenario, that I would have to invent stories beforehand. It's like, okay, I, I just have to figure out three things I'm going to say. Because I couldn't, I couldn't do what you're saying. I couldn't, I, I just didn't know what to say socially. And, and I did not want to invest the eye. It wasn't worth that. But yet, I kind of had to go to the social thing. And I would, do, I would do that, I'd invent three stories because they were just things and it was like bringing a potluck. I'm going to bring these three stories that I've prepared earlier. Here they are. You know, it was just functioning like that. Um, and it worked because I knew they were just making up in order for a social etiquette just to fulfill the social norm thing. That's what, that's what I did. Uh, left to my own devices, yeah, I probably would have dug in and gotten a me story, but I was not going there. I just wasn't. So here's on one I created earlier for this purpose. Had no attachment, no significant, but it fulfilled a social need. We don't live in a world where it's not okay to be without story. You just end up being, you know, just kind of sitting in the corner because you've nothing to say. And, or, and then you end up not going to social things at all. And we don't have a place for that in our culture. You see? So where in the transition phase it's tricky enough, but where it goes to is that the I stories are just they're just stories. Like now, of course, there's 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 stories because should they're just stories. They have no potency at all. They're just sto- entertainment. The whole thing is satire. It's entertainment. Talking about God is entertainment. The truth is entertainment. It's all entertainment. Do you know? So it it loses its potency. But for that transition phase. It's not a bad idea to prepare something just so that you know, okay, this is, this is, I, I can talk about my work and I can talk about where I'm going on vacation. All right. And then you know, okay, I can pull those up and I'm not going to have stickiness. I'm not going to invest in them. They're just going to be a way for me to meet the world. This is how I participate in the world. Do you have any pets at home? Any pets? No. Okay travel too much. Well, 
we have a, we have a kitty at our house, and we call him Kitty G oh. because we see him as being kind of like our teacher. Beautiful. And um, yeah, and I just wondered, do you see there being any preference or difference, or, or is a life of a kitty any more? Is it any less significant in the life of a human? Is, is being a human somehow special? I guess is my question. Right now, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so at all. And and you know, I could say the life of a mosquito would be the same as well, or a cockroach is the same. But yet I squat a cockroach, well, well I, with difficulty, but, but I, I, I actually make myself do it, you know? I'm like, okay, there's a cockroach, you know what? You, you gotta go. And if it's not easy to take him out, I might splat him. And Derek pushes me to splat him, come on, just splat him, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, just for fun, come on, splat him. But there's just this, ba- this background knowledge that's what I am too. That's what I am too. And it's not like a spiritual concept grasping it. I'm all of it. The, the life force, the life force of, of, of the all of it isn't diminished by the death of a person or a cockroach. It's not. Nothing diminishes the totality. Nothing does. So if it's a person or a cockroach, I think I'd have the same level of resistance. It's just... You know, if I don't have to kill him, I won't kill him. But if I have to kill him, I kill him. So, then I play with that. It's like, where's the line? Where's the line there? Do you know? Um, the, the, the oneness is, 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 it penetrates all of it. You know, the one nature is all of it. And it's even in the trees and concrete and... Even things, crazy things we've created, you know? It's toxic stuff that we've created. That's still pure consciousness. It's the same, it's all the same thing. It, it just changes in shape and form, but it's, 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 it's all what I am. And, and, and the jack body is just one way that what I am expresses. And it's, it's no different to anybody else's. I remember being at a, a conference, at the Sand Conference, a few years ago. And myself and another speaker were on the panel. And, and I, I was saying, but I, I'm not more Jack than you. I'm, I'm not. I can turn on that program of being Jack, but I'm not more Jack than you. And, you know, he was like, oh God, no, I'm definitely more me. And he's another spiritual teacher. I'm definitely more me. I'm, I'm not you. I mean, I'm definitely, I said, yeah, but that's just, there we go. There's, there's manifestation for you, doing difference. Well, my goodness, was I approached afterwards, mostly by psychotherapists, that there was something wrong with my perception, really, and that I was in denial or that I had, you know, locked away something and I had depersonalized and all these fancy terms for some dysfunction, you know, and uh, thank you very much, thank you very much for your help, thank you very much, and I'm off now, you know. <laughs> so, there's no accounting for it, you know, it's like, you got to see how it manifests through you. If it makes sense to you, if it resonated with you someplace, that 
Yeah, what I am is, is, is meeting me. What, what I am is this other person that wants to talk to what I am as Ogden. Okay, let's, let's, let's see what meeting happens here. Because we communicate through stories, that's our species. We, as yet, we just communicate through stories. So there needs to be a story here in order for these energies to meet. We're not comfortable with just sitting in front of somebody and being silent. We're not okay with it because we're just so friggin' busy all the time. We just think we have to fill the gaps. But how beautiful it would be just to meet somebody and, and actually not talk at all. You see? So really, you're meeting somebody and you're not talking at all. But here's something I prepared earlier and you can stay in the silence. You know? You know? Or here, feeding the kids and doing errands and, and running around, but, but I'm staying in the silence. We have this capacity to, to, to function as all of it, all of it at the same time, even deeper than where the chart has gone, prior to existence and right, right, right down, where it's very pure altogether, before being and non-being, right, right back. There's all of that capacity. Question: uh, When you say existed, existence transcended, what exactly do you mean by transcended? What, is, what, is, what does that mean to transcend something? Yeah. Um, being shown the wisdom of exactly what the substance is made of, the concept of existence, or is there substance to existence? having a deep understanding and a knowing, a deep inner knowing of what its fabric is. And that allows us to kind of rise above it. It loses its potency because you've, saw, you've seen what it's made up of, so it isn't a holy grail anymore. So it's more than just kind of, you know, the opposite of transcendence, and what can be confused with transcendence, rather, is, is, well, you know, I just investigated and I just saw, well, there's nobody there who's having that desire for food right now or a cigarette right now. There's nobody there. And it was transcendent. No, no, no. That was bypassed. That, that was sorted out in that time and space. The desire for a cigarette is, is it's not blown up. It's not transcended. It's not pulled apart. That's there for another round. So it's one thing kind of processing something, but transcending it is like, ah, it's lost all potency. It just... It just doesn't do it for me anymore. Just doesn't do it. It's just, it's, it's broken up. It's about nothing. You can see that it's about nothing. So when it has no power, it's transcended. And you, you know then it's like, ah, it's lost its grip. We don't connect anymore, yourself and that old idea. You know? It's done then. It's transcended. Thanks. Sure. Hi there. Um, I just came out of something that was almost like sleeping, but I don't know if it is sleeping. I kind of dropped out of something. It's just almost like, um, like I don't exist. <laughs> yeah, because you don't exist really, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice when the, when the awareness of existence falls off though from the mind. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, I've been feeling like I get 
all of this and mixed matched with it, you know, because it's been so long that I've been sort of on a spiritual path and around satsang for so long that, I don't know, years ago, during an intense period of time where I had a lot of satsang teachers and in satsang a lot, I felt something drop, you know, a shift, I, there was suffering seemed to end, and yet I realized this body-mind story keeps up going, you know, like the proverbial fan after you turn it off, right? Yeah. Uh, so, sometimes it's like, I don't know what I am, you know, it's like, I don't know if I'm awake, enlightened, or what anymore, you know, because I seem to let allow, gave permission to the body-mind dance to still just let it rip, you know, who cares? Okay. You know, on one level. Okay. Because it felt like, well, I'm here, so I'm doing time, in infinity in a sense, and uh, you, it feels like, you know, just need to engage with the matrix, and you got to seem to do something, you know, that whole mechanism seems to want to, you know, still survive and be, I mean, I wasn't so surrendered that I was willing to just be fed or something, or homeless on the street, or yeah, in, yeah. A, in a home of some sort. So it seems like there's something that still wants to keep it all afloat. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, Pure consciousness can do that too. Or, or do you attribute that to an I? I don't know. I feel like I sort of feel like there's a flow of unfolding with me. I, I mean, it, it, it seems like there's a, there's, I still let this Doug character get upset about things or get engaged or, you know, I mean, I have uh, a whole business um, mission or whatever that I've been doing for years, promoting consciousness and spirituality and everything that's evolved to this other thought of a movement of some sort that I want to do all, all around somewhat making uh, this world or, you know, this society more enlightened, you know, so like like a sense of bringing heaven on earth, you know, feeling like part of some team that's sort of feeling like awakened divinity itself, you know, just being conscious of itself, walking with that uh, awareness and then feeling like, okay, let's change the game. I, I see this whole game being influenced by the self-serving ego and nature and, and how I want to, you know, create a, an environment where that can all be a different context, you know, sort of creating this whole system to define a new social system and all this thing to have spirit come into form and be more informed and therefore not so spun out so easily, you know, by its own self-serving nature. So I seem to be engaged in that conversation somehow that came to me, you know, but I also dance with this, well, I don't know, is this my ego, is this, uh, Spirit driving me, driving this. And, yeah. You know, kind of yeah. Thing. Okay. Is there desire in us? Yes and no. Sometimes I feel very passionate about it. You know, I seem to get engaged very passionately, and then other times I'm like, well, you know, I like turn to the universe and go, well, you know, this is not seems to be stagnant. It's not moving forward. I don't know what you want. You know, is it, is it me or you or what? You know, right. it's like, I feel like I'm in service. I'm trying to. Do this tightrope of being in service and taking action and sort of uh, thing. So I sometimes lose sight of 
you know, part of me is like, well, I don't care, you know. And then when people talk about oneness, I don't feel like I, the oneness thing seems to be. I don't feel like oneness is a palatable thing, you know. There's some part of me that has this really deep caring and benevolence towards humanity, and yet on this other hand, there's this total disdain for the self-serving nature of the machine, and you know, the unawakened humanity. And uh, so it's a dichotomy, it's a real paradox that I find myself in sometimes. Does something from your deepest place that you've access to right now, does something need to be changed in the world? You know, I don't, not really, you know, I see that it can be, it's all perfect, you know, I mean, it, on some level, it's just because it is what it is. Yeah. So sometimes I think, all right, you know, maybe I'm trying to fix the world, I shouldn't, you know, because it needs this whole karmic unfolding, or what I call clusterfuck, you know, yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. to be a big clusterfuck yeah. of, you know, as a result of this self-serving nature that we all have all gun amok and being fueled by this capitalistic game of King of the Hill, you know, it's like, so part of me is like, oh, okay, you know, maybe this is how it needs to unfold, who am I to try and change anything, you know? I don't, on one level I don't care, another level I feel like, well, I'd rather be part of a supposable solution than just going back into working for me and mine only, sort of the typical yeah. self-serving sort of thing, a little self-serving, so I feel like to feel more engaged in a larger self-serving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be engaged in anything, you know? Yeah, it feels like there's some kind of a value system still running. Probably. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a value system in there that didn't get the chop. Yeah, sometimes I feel like the penny hasn't totally dropped. Yeah, something didn't know. get cut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because your your value system, the value system is part of, is subjective perception. Um, and when that gets the chop, you'll find that integrity will stay in place. That's kind of the, the one that really stays in place, is integrity. If, if it wasn't, because... For a few years, I was like, integrity is going to have to drop. It's going to have to drop. And and I actively did things out of integrity to play with this. And I'm like, no, no, that no, integrity is going to stay there. And for sure, it, it's very clear now. It's like actually, integrity is is the mo of pure consciousness. It just can't act out of out of integrity. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Outside. Outside of integrity. Thank you. Yes, exactly. So, so the other value around, the value system that's still there, it's shaky, but yet it's invested enough to actually guide your way on. There's a difference between what you're saying now and what you're saying is like, look, you know, if this work happens through me or through somebody else, it's probably going to happen anyway because it's just pushing through. Can't do anything about it, but I wake up in the morning and this is just what I turn my head towards. And this is what happens. If it was more like that, like, you know, heck, this is just the way it's happening. But there's a bit of a grating going on, a bit of a a rub somewhere. And I keep hearing that it's the value system, that there's like, there's a greater value in, in more people, you know, recognizing their divinity or 
you know, that there's a lesser value in people walking around asleep and suffering continuing and the way the world is going. It's like there's a value system in there that actually has to do with the subjective perception. And I'd like to hear the value system from pure consciousness talking. The work might be the same, but it wouldn't have that kind of toing and froing that's kind of rough on you right now. I mean, I feel the, the flow of it all going this way. I see it around me. Yeah. It's almost like I see, gosh, you know, I've had this idea for ages, and, yeah. and yet I see other people coming yeah. pieces of the pie ahead of me, competitors even doing things. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just dreaming it all into existence, and that's all I'm here for. Yes, Not this to happens too. make it happen, but uh, to just yes. sort of dream it into existence. For sure, this is part of it. part of who's holding down the matrix of the dream of it. For sure, um, for sure, that's most of what you're doing. So part that's of me is most like, of it. Yeah. Okay, you know, that's fine with me yeah. if I don't have to make it happen. But you know, yeah. The, some of the competitors I have, I don't see them doing the bigger piece of the picture that I'm trying to get to. So I feel like I need to still carry the baby forward that yeah. I've, you know, been, yeah. been given, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not done. You're right. It's not done. But, but. Even if you carry the bigger piece, somebody else would probably grab it. it you're, you're pulling it in rather than, you're pulling it in for somebody else to manifest it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Sometimes. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. more that you actually pioneering and bringing something new here. You're bringing it through, you're, you're lending it in as a thought. Yeah. yeah. I'd be surprised if you actually did the bigger part. You, you have to make the steps. Yeah, I think you have to make the steps towards it and somebody else will run with it. But that's fine. That's how the matrix works. It's just, yeah. it's just nice to be able to see the engine room and to recognize the part you're playing on it. But you're going to have to, you're going to, have to continue with it. But you've got to clean up the value system that's in there. That's what's blocking you. Your own progress and the project. Value system. Yeah. So. You mean the judgment on... Yeah. The right and wrong of it all. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the ones who come after you, l let that be their motivation if they want their mind in there to, for them to believe that they're doing something right or that they're saving the world and they're, they're really helping humanity en masse. That's fine if that's their motivation. But it's contaminating things just a little bit if it's yours, if it's your motivation. Your motivation has to be pure. It has to be just because this is happening so that you are completely clean to be used by pure consciousness, by what you really are, really. But it's just to get the layer of the subjective perception that's in there, to yank that out of the way, so that you're crystal clear in driving it forward. Then we'll see what you'll do. You definitely land it. How much of the kudos you get, who knows, that's always a gamble. You know, but it's a reality check of it. It's kind of nice if we get rewarded for what we do, but we usually don't in this work. You don't, because yeah. you're at it at another level, you know? Right. That the world doesn't see it, and that's just the way it works. I've kind of gotten used to that over the years. Yeah. It just seems a bit of a role that I've done more background. That's support right. Support of the... Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's kind of... That pioneering is like that always. You're kind of breaking the ice for others to go into the pond, you know? Right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, that's just not endorsed. People don't see that. We're, we're not evolved enough to see yeah, that part of it. Yeah, there is a big conscious need for recognition in that respect. You know, there's times when I, uh, I, I you know, touch in on something that wants to be recognized. Okay. You know, 
and uh, okay. And when I get recognized, because I do at times for people, yeah, you know, and, uh, there's a heartwarming, like you know, something in me needed to hear it or want, loved, loved hearing it. Yeah. But it's not a conscious sense that I, that's you know what I need. Okay. Yeah, it can be just enjoyed because it's nice, but because I but yeah. it can't be in there motivating you. It can't. No, it's not. Okay, good. No, the whole thing's a mixed bag of my own self, you know, little self-serving need for a job to keep my boat afloat. Yeah. You know, body, mind, existence in the world. Sure. And this larger self-serving vision that I see. Yes. That I feel in service to. You yes. Know, in alignment with. It seems to have been going on from, you know, ages old evolutionary unfoldment of whatever we are. Yes. Yes. Okay. Hang out more in the zone of where nothing needs to change. There is no world going to be better. Like for every bit of shift towards the light that humanity does, there's a shift towards the dark. Like, so if you look at it from that way, the more light we create, the more dark we create actually. Being part of the solution is being part of the problem. That's duality. That's this realm. And it's, you know, I've always been aware, to me, it's not been about changing bigger overall society. It's uh -huh. just about anchoring on Earth a model of it. Yeah. You know, make anchoring on, in this reality, a model of it, so, yeah. so to speak. For those of us that are here needing that sanctuary or, or yearning for it for many, most of our lives, you know. And, you know, I think it's just time to let the rubber hit the road, and I have this whole thought of a mechanism that can fund that and make it all happen more quickly. Yeah. You know, if it would all come together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and eventually that might affect the rest of the larger world around us. Maybe not. I don't know. It's just a feeling that uh, it, it's facilitating more of a co cohesion of those of us here and evolutionarily ready to yes. live, you know, yes. in that way. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's funny because when, as you're talking about this, I can see exactly what you're talking about. Just from your energy field, it's like it's around you. You're, you're totally on the money, but you can't have any attachment to it. You can't have any value around it. You can't run a thought that it is better to have this than not have it. Yeah. You can't. You have to clean up your own act. That's been a shortcoming, I think. There is a charge there about that. There is a judgment about... Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a bit of grit in it. And, yeah. And you're the pioneer of it, so you're the one who has to tidy up your act. The ones coming after you who are going to, like, make more of it, let them do it. Let them do it. They're, they're, they're on their own spiritual thing. This is your gig. It's not... If, if you've just got enough food and shelter, you're okay, you know? Yeah. Like, this is actually infinitely more important for your own spiritual development. We rarely... We rarely you know, get to do huge change for the world as well as be rewarded for it. Like, if you're getting a phenomenal reward, you're probably still in the phase of needing to be endorsed, seen, have your desires satisfied. You're in that phase. Do you know? 
those of us who are, who are out there pulling in something new, there isn't. We, we, we have to be more mature than needing any of those things. You see? Yeah. So there's just a little tidying up there. It's a bit of a high jump. That's pure service. That's pure service. I'm glad we spoke. This was important. Thank you. From a phenomenal level, this is very important. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I don't know what this, I want to engage and speak, but I don't have a question per se, so I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I felt like I wanted to finally yeah. get something going. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're doing fine. As a guy on a spiritual path, you're doing fine. I'm, I'm really speaking to the consciousness itself that has a little bit of grit moving along as it's moving this like block of ice towards the fire you know that's a good analogy Lenses of perception. There are lenses of perception. Yeah. So, um, consciousness observing the story and consciousness observing, or not observing, but being, I am. Okay. Is, you see, this is where I'm confused because I think it's I being observed. Both are being observed, and all of it's being observed by. Okay, and then prior to that, nothing is seen at all. Yes. So. Yes, yeah, so I. I don't know how to 
express it. I think it's, uh, I mean, I normally would not even think this, this being, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I just want to feel it. But somehow, what's coming up for me now is, I want to understand this. I want to see okay. what... Okay. Can I jump in and yes, see, if I, see if I have what the confusion is? Um, so when I'm saying there's no, no difference between, between me story, observer, and I am, or stroke beingness, there's no difference because, there's no difference when they are recognized to be just points of perception. If you're completely in your story, it's real and it's your point of view, you don't realize it's a point of perception because it's, it's real, it's valid. So you have no capacity to see that it's actually just being perceived like this. So there is no difference when you see, there's just these lenses of perception. That's what's the same. They're all lenses of perception. Now if you want to hone in to see what the perception, the content material of the point of perception is, now we go into me, my story, and the content of this perception is the observer and the context of this, context of this perception is beingness. So the content is where we get stuck. The, they're just lenses of perception. So it's like having three boxes here. Number one is full of eye story. The second one is the observing capacity. There's no eye story. It just sees everything. The third one is beingness. And, it's, and, and seeing happens, but it's not looking at anything. But they're just three boxes. Now we can go in and just see the content of the boxes, or we can see that they're boxes. Okay? The wider the view you have, you will always recognize that they're boxes. So it's like Ogden talking to somebody. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to pull something out of my box now, pull out a trick here, out of a story, in, in, in order to connect with somebody else, rather than, oh, I'm inside in a box, and you're inside in a box, and we're going to share what's inside in our two boxes. <laughs> do you know? Do, do you see? So not getting caught in the content. So they are lenses of perception. And the wider you go, you see, yeah, that's, that's, that's me observing an eye story through another form. Because the lens of perception is what you recognize, not the content of the story. And then there, therefore there's no judgment. Therefore there's no judgment. And yeah, I'm going to add another two things to this one yes. to overlay the two of them. So the other, the, the chart of the other, it was, it was sideways. So you can just, yeah, it's like horizontal vertical. Yeah. All right. So, so the body goes into the natural state. with this non-dual state, this beingness, whatever label, whatever resonates for you. That's the natural state here. When we go into, right, I, I kind of went here to kind of, well, I don't know why really it wasn't premeditation, it just seemed to be where we stopped. Um, checking out existence, well, is, does, does anything exist really? And we didn't go further on it, but if we did, yes, I would be coming, I would be coming down here to, yeah, to, to the widest view. Well, I suppose I could add one or two things. Um, uh, 
In here, pure perceiving happens. I, E, except after C, E, I. So pure perceiving happens. Here something is seen and it's me, the story is happening. Here it's looking at something. There's perception of. But as it gets finer, pure perceiving happens. Just pure perceiving, without any comment, without anything, and yet there's a capacity to participate, to engage, to rear the kids, to go to work, to do the shopping, to whatever it is. But there's just pure perceiving. That's the functioning part that you're aiming. What's your name? I can't remember. Tracy. Tracy. Ah, thank you. Yeah, it just wouldn't come. That's what Tracy is talking about. That's what Tracy is talking about, the pure perceiving, that beingness. So there's just pure perceiving, you know, and then and then life gets busy and it's like I'm looking at you and duality kicks in again. So what we're aiming for is just pure perceiving to be your normal way. So that just looking is happening without judgment. But yet you can engage is that, and be busy. Is that the looking without labeling? Yeah, that's right. There's no labeling at all on pure perceiving. Because no thing is being perceived, but yet you can function. Of course, you can say this is a this is a sharpie, you know. Sure, I can use the labeling, but it's not. It, it's only there if it's needed. You pick it up and you set it down. It's just a functioning aspect. Like the me story is a functioning aspect. Like for Ogden, it's just functioning. No attachment to desire. There'd be no desire at all here, because beingness is happening. What would you want? What would you imagine you'd want? I was just thinking about the shark. Like, there's no desire for it to be anything. Exactly. For it to be anything. Yeah. Yeah, or do anything. It functions or it doesn't. It's very key. Yes, Adam. Would it be safe to say that uh, TDG is always in the natural state? Well, this is the thing. We don't really know, do we? He's not thinking about anything. The kitty, the kitty, is he in, in the natural state? Is that, is that where animals hang out, the natural state? You see, this is the thing. We're not completely sure. They have the capacity for all of it because they're pure consciousness, because everything is pure consciousness, actually. It's all made of the same thing. Yeah. So the natural state, the way we feel the natural state, sure, for us, there's pure perceiving, it's natural, we're at rest, right? Animals, it's the same. However, we have the wisdom of knowing these other two realms. And animals don't, because they don't have the ability to, 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 to see their thoughts and step back from their thoughts. It's much cleaner for them. They don't have to do that dance. But we have a wisdom from knowing that, that, that it functions like this. So I'm wondering if the natural state without this wisdom is the very same. So this is where I think animals are different to us. Yes, it's a natural state, but but without the wisdom of, of, of these other layers of perception. They don't have access to the denser ones like we do. Yeah, because I was wondering about Ramana's cow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think that cow used to, you know, had any process of going into a story. He felt that it was somebody who was awake, was reincarnated as the cow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It embraces all of it, yeah. but it's caught by none of it. You're not caught by any of it. And that with, I don't know what to call it, but I mean that um, holds it all. Yes. Yes. And that is the me story, the observer the beingness, the natural state, all of it. Yes. Okay. Okay. I have a reluctance. Because <laughs> this can get quite heady. Uh, okay, so what's the reluctance around? The reluctance is around going into all of this because I, I there's more... There's more to be gained from actually seeing that the fact that you exist. If we can pull out that stone, the whole car house is going to fall down, crashing. You see, it's just that question. I mean, when you said it before, what is existence? Yes. And, like, how do we know we exist? Yes. How do I know I'm here? Yes. And, uh, I mean, can't, there's no word for it. I can't give you a word to say that I to describe how I know that this is all here. And it's not an assumption? I don't have a word for it. How I know it. How, that, how I know that there is existence. But there is existence. Are, are you saying that you, you, you know it and that's a clear knowing? Like, is it always there? Is existence valid and true. There's, there's something holding this. I'm, there's a... Uh -huh. My experience is there's something holding. Okay. Okay. And is there any zone of where all of that is gone? Whoosh! Gone. Not in my experience. Okay. I'm not there. Okay. Yet. Does anybody <laughs> know that place of where it's all yes. gone? Yes. Yes. Scary. Scary. Fear comes up for you. Oh, embrace it. Does what, what, is this why? Is because existence? Why is it scary? Very scary. 
and I tried to talk to different people about it, but nobody really knew. I don't know, they couldn't quench my question about it in a way that was satisfactory for me. But it was very scary, and I felt alone in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Today I went there when we were meditating. Sometimes I can go there. To the fear place? No. To the beautiful the, place? Yeah. The beautiful place was like silver and white, mm. and the place where there isn't good or bad mm. is dark. But it's not bad, but it's just not good either. And uh -huh. so it seems scary. Uh huh. Is this what we're talking about? Yeah, you brought a bit of the eye. The bit of the eye came with you. Ah, yeah. Well, when she was speaking, I was thinking of a, a book I read a long time ago about nothing's real. So we just think it's solid, but it's really not. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, so the parts of you that was looking for some kind of an anchor or that wants to imagine that it's real went into the zone of where it has no reference point, it actually can't exist there. But this idea that, some, that you are something came into that black void place, that empty place. Yeah, and, and I mean, if that's true, then nothing really matters. Of course nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing matters at all. But it's so hard because we're here and instead of knowing we're whole, we all are like holes that we're trying to fill with different things and spirituality and being good and a new car and all these different things and that just, I don't know, it's like being whole, it's like nothing, it's like what do you do with that? See that it's nothing, I mean you can be filling the H-O-L-E forever. You can keep filling it forever. So that's that's infinite. That's just that's looking in the wrong direction, you know. Yeah. So going within, going to those those different zones and figuring out well, what, what is at the depth of my being? What is at the depth of it? Fantastic. And that empty place was is much deeper than the rebirthing place, the death place. You you know that, okay? Yeah. So the deeper the emptiness place some little trail of something that hasn't been seen through came with you that's all and it's the one who has the capacity to suffer that little thread is the part that is looking for completion it doesn't exist it's a mind loop but it hasn't been seen through yet so it's only life force is the attention that it gets and it has to keep looking for attention to stay alive. That's its fuel. And it's getting attention from you because you keep feeding it. So it thinks it's alive and it thinks it's real. It's like I have different personalities in me that I, I feel like there's something that awakened or that I noticed again. And I'm this whole other part of me that I can kind of watch and the kind of being, it's just crazy. I felt like I'm crazy, <laughs> but it's interesting. 
think I'm explaining it. Right. You're doing fine. You're not crazy at all. <laughs> it, there's a madness in, in waking up, sure. But there's a madness according to the rest of the world because really that's where the madness is. Really. Do you know, imagining that the outside world is going to bring happiness. Gosh, gosh, that's madness. That's insanity. Do you know? So you don't have to buy into that anymore because that's looking out instead of looking in. But the part of you that, that is still trying to be whole, love that part and lay her to rest. She brought you this far, but she's done. She's done. She's to enable you to experience and to have those things. She has no place as, as you go deeper into the depths of what is. She has no place. And it's totally fine. It's like, she's done. Have a little funeral for her, literally. Do a ritual or something, just to lay her down, you know? But she needs to be whole and complete first and at peace. You can't kill her, you have to lay her to rest. I understand that, <clears throat> but there's one thing that is very clear to me right now is that when I had that experience and felt that the first time, and the part of the big problem was that nobody could really talk to me about it. So I couldn't give any input from the outside, which made it not a real experience because if nobody else could talk to me about it, everybody else knew, not me. I mean, maybe if I could have called Dalai Lama, he could have told me about it, but I didn't have his phone number. <laughs> so that's cool. that's part of the wanting to be whole thing was I was still trying to find it outside to make it accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's naturally enough that the mind wants some understanding. It's like, what the heck was that? The mind wants some understanding. It needs some a certain amount of knowledge until until it knows that it can't actually go to those other places. And then the, the inner knowing that's not intellectual kicks in. And that's trusted. And you see that the mind actually is just playing Lego, I mean, it's really doing basic kiddie stuff, and that your deeper knowing is, is what you trust. You're kind of straddling the two places for, for some time, you know, but it's okay, you can lay one down, and I'm hoping that you lay down the phenomenal one who is looking outside. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're welcome. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Do you go back to your experience? Then how does individuality experience transcendent existence? If it's you have individuality where existence is transcendent, so how did that happen? <laughs> Good question. Okay. <clears throat> Only, and I, I, please, I don't want to doubt that, but I think that that's, yeah. that, and, and if I were to experience that, I would say this is a mental creation, that mine's pretty clever little devil. Yeah. It made a really nice, beautiful experience. Yeah. But it's not to be trusted at all. Yeah. It's not an experience in that way. It's like landing on a new floor, a new platform. You know, it's dropping into a different realm altogether. 
where there is a recognition that the conceptual nature of, of life, of the phenomenal world, is much more false than true. That it requires all kinds of things to be in place in order to be even plausible. And, and dropping into that depth, you, there is just a knowing that mind can't go there, that it's like of a different realm altogether of how mind functions. So it doesn't have the smell of, of mind. And individual consciousness completely goes for a while, and I don't think it would be possible otherwise. It completely goes. Um, and, and it comes back as a sense and I think as we evolve, I bet you in three or five years' time, that the sense of individuality won't dissolve completely for a while. I haven't seen it yet, but I think it's going to come. Um, this, the individuality has to go from uh, something that is trusted and believed to be a, con a contextual reference point to into being a sense of individuality with the capacity which comes from the capacity of consciousness to to um, to funnel itself to to funnel itself into into an individual focus point am i making some sense yes okay Nothing is lost, it's just a capacity that it has. So rather than, well, that's the totality of it, the individual consciousness, that's, that's all of what I am, I am an individual. Right through to like, I'm all of it, and individual consciousness is just a component of what's within my bandwidth. Right through to, that exists as a perception, and there is no need for identity anywhere. There is no I am it or I am not it. That goes. So there, then the sense of individuality, that usually is such a blowout for somebody that all sense of individuality goes for a while. But actually the sense of individuality can be there without any tarnishing at all. It's just like, yeah, that's a cap that gets worn. That's a cap that gets worn. The sense of individuality. It's just a function, a function of, of pure consciousness. I think I'm understanding. Here's, here's really what it's coming to from personal experience, uh, and I sort of alluded to it this morning, was where there's a sense of no story here. And then the moment there's a, there's a sense of I seeing this, and I mean mental, whatever this, I, this individuality is seeing this experience, then automatically it's aware to me or to this I, there's a falsity about this. This isn't purity. This isn't I am. This is just there's one or two layers going on. So if I were to experience that, I would have said I'm just in the other two layers. Okay. So, does that mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, for that thought to come in, you probably would be in those layers. The certainty and the clarity that comes when the bottom rips out of it all and you plop through to a whole other place of seeing, 
That thought doesn't come in. The, the construct of mind is seen from another, it's like another planet. So you see the construct of mind. So the content of what mind can come up with can't be seen. You're looking at the box which holds thoughts. Because that is a thought. My mind has come up with this. I'm imagining this. I'm not trusting it. That's the content within the box. From that other zone, you only see the box, which is mind. Not a thought. A thought can't come. You wouldn't be able to have a thought in that zone. It just doesn't... The content... Yeah, how do you know you're even there? I guess yeah. you don't. That's how, maybe that's the... That's yeah, the, the eye doesn't. There's just, there's just experience, so there's yeah. no eye in there... Correct. ...to, to be experienced, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. That's right. So for this lady, a bit of an eye came in, and it was full of fear, of course, it was. There was a bit of an eye remaining, and that's that's what it was doing was fear because it's like, hey, what the heck is this? And yeah, it, it will do its strongest, play its strongest card, get me out of here, and it'll make the experience stop. You see, it would have to be fear, would be the only thing that the eye would be if it was misplaced in there. Fear that's its strongest card. If some eye comes, it will be only through the feeling of fear, it will play the strongest emotion. And that will pull back into storyland. So that zone, without any eye, there will be no fear. There's no mind, there's no nothing. They can't hear you. When it happened, it was almost like I was taken to a different place. It wasn't like a thought. It was, but since I had the experience before when I was doing the rebirthing, it reminded me of that experience, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a full body, I don't know. Yeah. An experience or, I don't Yeah. It seem like a thought at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a mind created experience. Yeah, and there's a knowing, an absolute knowing that it's not a mind-created experience. And I, please don't misunderstand me. No, I, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'm fine with it. I just wanted to share that yeah. it seemed like a thought. Yeah. Like it just it seemed... Yeah. Like if you went on a vacation somewhere, but you were just there in a flash, and I don't know. No, I don't know. It's yeah. It like a thought. Yeah, it's not a thought. Yeah, you know it's not created by mind. You know it's not. By some by phenomenal mind, you know. Morgana. Um. Yeah. When I don't know, don't remember your name. Brandy. What? Brandy. Brandy. Yes. Um. I had a some kind of experience, I think similar to that, two or three months ago, when it came about because something that was, had been hugely important to me my entire life since I was a toddler, I suddenly realized I can't, that's, I can't reach that, I can't do that, that's done. And there was immense, intense, 
was in that for a few days, well, I guess about two, two and a half days. And then there was this, I don't know what to call it, just dropping into this total realization or total seeing this is all nothing. This is all about nothing. There's nothing, nothing. Nothing that I can do, nothing that I can be, nothing that I can think. It's all about nothing. This is all about nothing. And there wasn't fear. There was, if there was anything, there was more anger or something. For a while it was pretty bad. But then that left, and then there was just this utter nothing. But it was like everything was completely different. It wasn't like there was nothing in a negative way. It was completely complete. Yes. And I couldn't possibly want anything, or I was still like getting something to eat and I needed to or drinking or whatever. But it was, there was nothing to do. There was nothing to work towards. There was nothing to, there was nothing to want. And so, but it was so ordinary. It was like there wasn't bliss or, I guess I could say there was peace because I didn't want it. So, I just wanted to say that because I think it was kind of similar. And I, I don't know if it's, a, I don't think it's a question. I don't yeah, know what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Just to give advice. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. It seems like in Western civilization we kind of worship the mind. We have kind of a history of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some things I've seen on, on the internet about the mind kind of suggest that, like maybe the mind is like a tool that just serves the body. Kind of, they kind of evolved as a way of making the body more effective, more let's uh, survival value to have a mind. And yet we think that the mind is where it all begins and ends. That maybe it's just kind of a spin-off of the needs of the body. And then I have noticed with individuality, I've got a little two-year-old grandson, and I'm relating with him, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, here I am. I'm, I'm helping to create his sense of individuality. Yes. And that's something that granddads do. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yep. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yes. 
depends from from where you look, you know, from from one point of view, it's like, oh my God, this is creating an ego, but from another point of view, hey, you know, he'll go in, he'll come out of the cycle of, of ego land, you know, that's the trip, you know, there's no harm in it, you know, it's shitty when you're at the depths of it, but there's no harm in it. We survive it and more. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tune into yourself? See how you get on. Yes, I am. What was the question? I was wondering how you got on last night. Oh, I was screaming pretty good in front of the car. <laughs> Yay! I had this uh, didgeridoo. Let me see so I can see you. I had this didgeridoo. CD on, so it was very deep, you know, and I was just screaming, but I wasn't angry. Aha! Uh-huh. There was this feeling of um, freedom. Aha! Ha! And it wasn't rage that I expected to come up, but it, it, no, it wasn't that either. It was just more like like I think you touched on that there has been a resistance there to this whatever wants to be coming up and, and expressing in the world. I don't know what it is and I I, I I don't think I even need to know. It just as long as I don't resist. As long as you don't resist, that's exactly it. Because it seems like for a while there's been this energy of holding it down for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Fear or not the old belief systems that are still running that, you know, who do you think you are? That's a cultural thing from where I grew up. So it, that could still have its little play in there. Uh-huh. But, um, no, it was very freeing. I was laughing behind it all. Yes. And today? Today I feel like uh, there's more energy. Yeah. More spaciousness yeah. going on within me. I, I did another little yelling again in the car because it just felt good. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, I just need to... It feels like it needs to be activated. Yes, yes. Something needs to be energized, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But can I share a dream that I have? That I've had... um, It's a reoccurring dream. I used to teach a dance fitness program, and it was a franchise. And then I moved to Sweden for a while, trying to get it in and whole life just broke up with divorces and everything. And I've had many, many times this dream that I started dancing and doing my own thing and that I owed the company money because, you know, it was their franchise, but I was breaking off to myself. And that dream comes back over and over again. It was interesting last night after our talk that I would have that same dream and it still pulls on me that I owe them I'm not paying up in the world or to this company 
So I don't know if the dream somehow is attached to what we were talking about, that I am not paying up. Am I not, I'm holding it down, I'm not expressing or, but it still feels like guilt. Yeah. And it's come many times this dream. Huh. And is there any, any, any closure that needs to come with that company that you used to work for? No. Okay, that's actually clean. All right. Yeah. So it's a sim- symbology for something else. Yeah. But that was many years ago. Huh. But it, it's, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Huh. Do you ever just go into meditation to a still place and at the start, just before you go into meditation, it's just like, all right, if, if something is owed here, just to see if there's something in that story. Because it's either just a belief or you actually really have believed it into existence. Like, that's where I'm going. Okay. So at the start of meditation, is like, all right, whatever is owed, whatever payback, whatever dualistic karmic thing is running here, I need to see my account, please. I need to see what the outstanding thing is. Mm-hmm. And just ask for that information to be given to you. Just ask. And ask again, and ask again. Mm-hmm. Give it a few goals. Seven, no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's its opportunity to tell you. Other than that, I would dismiss it as just a thought. But I'd give it seven shots. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it would show up last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have some, some niggling thing. Not, there's no closure on something. Yeah, ask it to show itself. Because there's an availability, there's an openness. You're dissolving the resistance. So it's like, all right, come on, come on. Show your face now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it doesn't show, yeah, I would say, okay, that, that's garbage thought. It's just a loop I'm running. It's just a loop. Okay. You know? Yeah. The mind will use any kind of a loop. You know? And we've got to figure out, like, is, there, is the loop so deep that we actually need to resolve it on those terms? Is that the fastest way to get rid of it? Or can we just break it up? Because it's just a thought. And sometimes the fastest way is actually to answer it with its own story. There is, there is sometimes a, a feeling of that had I done something on my own, it's like, it's, it's a backward kind of thing, but how dare you do something on your own in that belief system that you're not good enough to do it on your own is still somehow running and that I and the way it traps me is that I still owe them something. Huh. Could that be? Sure. I mean it's your loop. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. Does that feel right? Does that feel like Yeah, there's something there though that Because that's very deep. I grew up in, in the Nordic countries, and that's the who do you think you are. It sort of it's, it just runs that whole culture. Yeah. And um, so I'm wondering if that's just that 
the, it's like a backward way of, of stopping it from moving uh, forward. Uh, so the resistance that has been there of moving forward is this, this backward way of saying, well, no, you can't because you still owe them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So time to kick off that cultural conditioning, huh? Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, when it comes to things like that, a cultural thing, and, and you're going to get to see a, a, a back-end loop of how it works. When you get that kind of an insight, it's quite often that you're breaking it for more than yourself. Mm. You know? That you're getting to see the subtlety of what sustains it. Because when you think about it, it's like, how, how can a whole group of people buy into that buy into that idea, do you know? But, but we do, because it has all these subtle nuances that are kind of the roots of it, you know? So if you're getting to see how it kind of twists its way around, that's really worth breaking for more than yourself. That's how that works. Exploring. That's well worth exploring, yeah. for sure. For sure. Mm. Yeah, you're probably onto something there, all right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, sure, you're welcome. Yeah, it's really interesting when you live in another country other than where you were reared, the cultural conditioning is extraordinary. You get to see all kinds of insights. That you never, you never thought were conditioning, but you know it's just cultural conditioning. You know, it's part of what makes you Nordic. You know, and it's beautiful, but it's got a flip side. It just only comes up because it doesn't fit where you go. Then it doesn't fit. It's like oh, yeah. it doesn't fit. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Talking about the flip side, you have said earlier that the more you create good, you create an equal amount of bad. I just got to thinking that there is a surge in interest in the spiritual development and spirituality. At the same time, we see so much social unrest. How do you? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> In, in, in duality, in the law of opposites, you know, like the clocks are going to change tonight. So the night gets longer, you know, the daylight and the nightlight, it goes out of balance for a while. And it comes back when we have the equinox again. And it goes out the opposite direction and it comes back with the equinox. And you know, all the patterns are in nature. It's all in nature, really, because we're, we're no different. We're, we're, products of nature too. So, so every duality, duality is constantly like between 45 and 55% of light and dark, if we can call it that, you know? So, or ignorance and wisdom or whatever way you want to see it, you know, going into Maya, coming out of Maya. So, yes, sure, a lot of people are moving towards towards awakening, 
and the horrors of what goes on in humanity. Of course, of course, it's going to be reflected. There is a bigger wheel, a bigger wheel in terms of time, of, of when we're kind of really in darkness and really in light. But that too, even if we're all moving towards something of, you know, I don't think it'll ever happen, but like they talk about, you know, where everybody wakes up, it's like actually that won't happen, it can't happen. But the majority of people could be awake. We could tilt the balance there. But that's on a larger scale of where ignorance will rule again. So even that, even if there's a shift. So there's wheels within wheels when it comes to duality. The yugas. You're talking about the yugas, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is like a balance of a scale that do in scale, yeah. they're concise. Yeah. So they go back and forth, yeah. but they never come into complete balance. It never comes to complete balance. It can't, actually. It's, it always has to be in flux. That's the play. It's always in flux. That's the play of consciousness. It is. It is. That's how duality works. That's how it sustains itself. My second question is, you know, fear has been mentioned quite often. Yeah. Can that fear be related to ignorance and fear of dying? Yes. Yeah, it, it always has to do with existence is threatened. If you go into the deepest fear, it's always got to do with annihilation. So it's the, like this death of the individual, the I. Yeah, death of who you think you are. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And compounded, and compounded by the, this natural instinct that the body has to stay alive. You know, and that's just the body. But because we think we're the body, we then imagine that wow, you know, you 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 jump towards safety. You then imagine that life is really, really precious, and so the identification with the body gets even deeper. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just wanted to uh, say something about that fear of death. Um, I think you mentioned somewhere recently about uh, and, uh, uh, Ram Dass when he was dying, when he went in, when he went into his, when he had a stroke, he was saying that fear of death kind of emerged for him. When he thought he had kind of yeah. transcended that. Yeah, we're talking about that on Fly High, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, I've, I've kind of looked at that myself because sometimes I've imagined, you know, myself, how would I react if I was a prisoner under a death sentence? How would I, mm. how would I relate to that? And, um, and then I, I've heard the story of this Sufi mystic Halaj and, and how he danced on the way to his execution. It was like, it was nothing. Yes, it was nothing. Yeah. It was nothing. We're hovering around the existence here. <laughs> we, are, we are prisoners with a death sentence. Yes, we have to die. We're all going to physically die. We're all going to physically die. That, that's coming. That's nothing. It's nothing. You die every night, you go to sleep. 
You don't know if you're going to wake up or not. You don't care either. And it's fine. But funny, we have like physical death because there's so much around us. You know, we've got grief and funerals and all kinds of things going on around us. Will it be painful? And, you know, we buy books around afterlife death experiences or near-death experiences. And it's wild, isn't it? We've created this whole mystery and mystique around it. We've done it all. It's the most natural thing in the world. It's going to happen to everybody. It has happened to everybody who's ever been. I mean, why do we make such a big deal? It's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the meditation. Um, I don't really do meditation that much um, for, for a particular reason. Because the energy always goes to my head, and uh, I don't feel comfortable about that. Um, but um, so when when we're doing that meditation today, um, it's quite easy for me to to pay attention to this between the thought or prior to the thought, um, just stay in that place. But then um, the um, there is some kind of like me trying to hold on to. Stay in there, so the energy start going to you know just just hold always have that thread mm -hmm. to hold on to. Um, now I could have just don't care, but I couldn't. So I'm um, just just keep thinking about it, keep you know looking into this little thread, so I can't be free. So I wish I could just completely let go. But more I wish, and the more the the, the, the threads. So what's happening there is desire, isn't it? You want to grasp something. Yeah. yeah. Desire will always bring back the eye. And for you, it brings energy up to your head when there's desire then. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Ah. Any suggestion? <laughs> Don't follow desire. So... Do you have trouble relaxing, Linda? Yes. That's where to start. Looking at your system, when you relax, you get to a certain point and your system doesn't want to relax anymore. You go in and you're like, that's enough now, that's enough. And you come back out again. Learning how to deeply relax will help you a lot because you have this switch it's like a breaker switch. When you relax, it's like, whoops, up again. And, and mind is giving you a desire. You're trying to grasp something, and whoops, up you go. And the energy is going to your head because you're going, whoops, I gotta lift myself back up again or I'll be down a hole and get swallowed up. It's like it, you're, you're contracting and intensifying everything so that you can be safe. Learn how to relax. Really relaxing the body. Do relaxing things. If it's sit in a hot tub or go for re relaxology, reflexology or whatever it is, it's just going to completely learn, learn how to relax for longer, longer spells so that you break that pattern of pulling yourself out of it. Because the letting go, it's got to be safe for you to relax. So the letting go, a lot of us, we can do it through our mind. It's like we let go, we let go, we let go of every thought, whatever. But for you, it's through the body, because it's your body that contracts. 
that's when the contraction is happening. And then your mind runs a desire, of course, but, but really your way out of that is through the body. I cannot think about the relaxing. If I think about the relaxing, it's got tense. That's right. That's right. Yes, when it's happened, it will happen. The, it's, if your mind can follow your body, if you have somebody working with you to, like, let's say reflexology or something that's, I don't know, what would be relaxing, something. Craniosacral work. Okay, very what is, good. What is it? Craniosacral work. That would, yeah, it, that, it, it would work with 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 the, with the fluid that's inside your your spinal column, inside your spinal column to to regulate. It's a, an independent rhythm, independent to your heart, completely independent. There's another rhythm which completely allows you to relax. And if somebody can't drop in and really relax, it's quite likely that that fluid is blocked somewhere. So that fluid hits a block and boom, and you pop up again, right? So something like craniosacral therapy would be really useful. That would get you down because if your body can relax, your mind only has to follow your body. For most people, their body will follow their mind. But for you, if we work through the body, your mind, right, just, just follow the body. Just watch the body. Like sex, like good sex. Your mind is just following your body. If your mind is in charge of sex, it's terrible. You let your mind follow your body. Your body's in charge. So I would definitely go for craniosacral therapy, for sure. And let your mind, give your mind that job of just, just follow the body. With nothing to do, but just follow the body. Just see what it's doing, how it's feeling. Just let your attention be on the wind down. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, teaching your body to really relax and for your mind to follow that. Because your mind is convinced that it can help you. But it's got to see that, hey, here, we're in a safe place, we're going to trust this person for an hour, and the mind is going to be secondary. That the body is in charge. So we've got to switch the order for you. Yeah, I think that'll work. It, it will work actually. Yeah. yeah. You'll break it. You'll, you'll break it someday, you know? You'll just break it so that it doesn't trigger anymore. Mm. Right beside you. It's still coming up around that pure perceiving yes. for me. Yes. And there's something I wanted to share, and every time I went to share it, it was like, like, how do you tell the story without bringing in me, I experienced? And so and it just, like, it would come up, and I couldn't speak to it because I was bringing in an I that wasn't there yes. during the experience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the experience was just peace. It was, in, it didn't have, it didn't have um, a limit to the body. The body, the peace went beyond the body. The body was at peace. And, um, and there was a sense of something there. And I can see that 
I made, it, it was curious if that was me, what was there, and, and, and it was, came up for me today because I was, I was holding it up until today, I was holding it that that was like my sense of I am without needing anything. That was me, you know, without a story. But today I started to, and, and I loved that, that it had this incredible quality piece to it. And, and then I started thinking, well, maybe the piece was what was needed to bring in the sense of, of awareness. It was like, it's a little chicken and egg thing for me. And it doesn't need to be answered, but, but it's, it's still, it's, it's still kind of a little curious around it. But I, but there, there is some, there is some attachment. I, I, I really um, treasure that experience, and and I, and I and I think that's why I want to speak to it more. And it was I was afraid, almost in speaking to it, I was afraid it would almost make it go away and not enrich it. But something said speaking to it anyway, and because it's. Um, It knew in the not wanting anything that um, it, it, could, it could see the story. It could see the stories that mine wasn't interested, and, and it, just, it just was interested in itself. Yes, it's just interested in itself. Yes, and it was it was fullness. Yes. It was fullness. Yes, it's complete. Sitting on a bench, listening to waves, and it was full. Uh-huh. And, and it didn't even need to be there. And... Can you let it go? Yeah. Because... The, what happens is that the personal eye uses it and attaches yeah. to it and yeah. makes it something and of course the personal eye is just getting bigger. It's yeah. trying to compensate the crack that came. Yeah. You'll have to let it go, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I can feel a little hurt starting to go, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet that's probably been the other thing that's been most um, present for me is identification, and I've been thinking about this experience I had in kindergarten, and playing with my friend, and, and I, well, you know, let's not play Batman anymore, let's play something else, and he got really angry, I'm not playing Batman, I am Batman, and, oh. and I remember that was the first time I ever experienced another identifying, Yes. and it was, it was like, I, there was no judgment about it, I just, it was just like shocking. It was like, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, come on, we're just playing. Yeah. And I think that that's really like my bigger picture of life here. You know, it, it, there's some sense that it's all play 
in any identification is is suffering in some way. Correct. And then you have these experiences. Yes. Boy, it's like it's um, this expression looking honey off the razor's edge. You know, it's it's so attractive. Yes. It's so attractive. Being Batman. So attractive. Being, yes, being Batman or being at peace or Yes. Or being someone. You know, the whole idea of being someone is, you know, identifying as someone. And they're all just very attractive. Yeah. But the balance tips a little bit. Yeah. And you get to recognize that the attractive part, that the good, the juicy part of it, doesn't last long enough for the suffering payoff. The balance tilts. Yeah, when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, it's like it's not good enough. It actually has to become not good enough. The juice of identifying, mm -hmm. the juice of attaching mm -hmm. to an experience. You, you get to see that yeah. what you get is much, much less than the amount of suffering. Mm -hmm. Or the absence of the, you know, the, whatever, whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Some kind of discontent. Mm -hmm. will prevail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of stepping off the edge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But if it's still worth it to you to keep identifying, then you're not done yet. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, maybe there's something there. You know, yeah, do you still want, like, do you still enjoy the juice of being attached to that experience of pure perception? Like, just just the joy of remembering it. I mean, does that do it for you, you know? Joy no, no. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Because, yeah. But yet, that's where you're choosing to hang out. Again? But that's where you're choosing to hang out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what attracted me next was thought of being in that place and, and um, connecting energies with another. I think that kept, came, hit some curiosity came after that rather than just kind of collecting my little experience and hunkering down. It's like, okay, can I, what would this be like to... To bring it into duality where there's an other. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a little bit of a paradox there. Yeah, it felt like an invitation to connect with others in a way I hadn't before. Okay, but how are they others um, from pure perception? Got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already gone into that other lens, haven't you? Already put on another pair of glasses. How can I use this, bring it back into some dualistic realm so that I can have fun with it? Mm. Like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Duality is using every carrot to pull you back in. <clears throat> it'll be more interesting to bring this into duality. That's where the fun is, is in duality. 
And that's just the carrot to lure you, lure you back in, to close over the crack. Yeah. It's just a play. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's see where it yes. floats me. See where it floats you, right? <laughs> yeah. Has anyone had an experience of transcending existence? Huh. And that, um, Interesting choice of words there. Yeah, someone transcending existence. Yeah. Um, I have the realization that it's only a concept, of course. Existence? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's only a concept. Yes. It's a concept? Yes. Um, and when you ask about uh, this feeling of being held, which also is a concept, however, I've associated it now with, I remember talking about spaciousness and mentioning the vastness. Uh -huh. These things are like um, places to hold on to or to fall to. Yes. And that there hasn't been a real letting go into that. Was it last night you mentioned jumping off a cliff? Maybe. Somebody, somebody like jumped, I don't know who it was, but somebody jumped off the and so I, I kind of saw all of that. that you? Why am I sitting next to you? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's go together. <laughs> that don't work. <laughs> you what? So I mean, I can see all these things sort of. And then when you were mentioning to this gentleman about uh, just now the mind or the individual grasping and duality, wanting to yeah. keep the show going, yes. Keep the show going. Uh, but that in a way is very beautiful. Yes. I mean, it really is. Yes. So, that's no questions. Getting a little more clarity. So what does it mean that you know, when, you, when you recognize that existence is a concept? What's the not come there? A lot of, here I use the word again, space opened up, a lot of room, a, a light, some light happened, kind of an aha. So it's not, it's not concrete. It's not, it's not, it's, I mean, our words just don't do it. It's nothing. And it kind of, oh, 
So there you was a holding on to, yeah, to something. And I don't know what's under that, but. So is, there's a holding on to something, what, the, I, the is yeah, it now? First of all, the concept that, first of all, existence, transcending existence, so that means if there must be something to transcend, and then seeing that existence is a concept, mm -hmm. so there's nothing to transcend. Mm, well, that's the transcendence itself, isn't it? Yes. And the, ex the experience of it is not... It's not with words. So we're in we're in an area now where we cannot talk about it. Yes. Really. Yes. So but where does that leave the Paula character? If existence is just a concept, how how do you juxtapose the 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 Paula woman like with with seeing that existence is a concept? Well, if I use your analogy of the boxes, there's the box with the me story, there's the box with the beingness story, and then there's now the box of the absolute and God, and there's a box well, no, there's not a box. Well, in a way, there is a box for existence if I'm seeing it as a, you know. Okay. So, do the boxes exist? No. I mean, they do when I'm giving them validity, they exist. Yeah. And who's the one giving them validity? Does that exist? I don't know. But if existence is just a concept, then how does she come into being? Well, this is where we get to there's nothing here. By logic or by seeing? By feeling it. Okay. I had a house to say. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a joke about NYC. It's a kind of a much ado about nothing. Yes, it's all much ado about nothing. <coughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This lady, your hand up next. Hi, Rosemary. This is a beautiful session. Um, it seemed to me evident that there is this totality that there is the source and God, people call it the universe. And prior to duality, there was that. I mean, that, and that's it, and that is, and that continues throughout errors and infinity. Um, my question to you is, seeing that you're saying that duality will always exist, um, why does that have to be? 
because if at, there was at one time there was dual things not there, it was just that the allness and the being was just one, that void that we are so afraid of, that void existed without duality. So, and maybe this was a birth out of the void that humanity came into existence. It's to me as easily considerable that there will be another birth, inward birth, and duality will be gone. And that would be all right too, whether it's there or not. Um, I just really want to ask you about mm. that to me, duality cannot be infinite. Okay. Okay. Good question. The, the, the God, the source component, imagines duality. Duality doesn't have any independent existence. But by virtue of the fact of the God principle, it can't help but imagine itself into form. And as soon as, as soon as the God principle is, part of what it does is imagine and it can only imagine dualistic, dualistically. Because anything that's imagined breaks from the unity. And so we automatically have duality. And it just splinters and splinters. So the God principle itself, by virtue of the fact that it was, the moment that it was, there was no linear time where it was continuously prior to duality. Duality, duality was there the moment that the God principle was because linear time came after it. So the sequence, when, 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 you, go, when you go back, as you head back to, you know, away from duality, if it's directional, There is nothing right or wrong about that God principle, that source, in how it creates duality. But it cannot be without its imaginings. It does that by virtue of the fact that it's the God principle. It explores itself. It plays because, because it can, because it does. It's, its infinite aspect of it makes it create and as soon as that is activated and it's activated the second that it becomes that it is duality starts to happen so the infinite aspect of the god principle is its divinity and is its curse if we look at duality as a curse So it's by virtue of the fact that it is God, there is that which it imagines. It's intrinsic to the God principle, to imagine itself, to explore what it is. Because this is all God exploring what God is. That's all we're doing, is inquiring into what we are, knowing what we are. Nothing is lost, nothing is gained. It's just God playing with itself, losing itself, returning to itself. You see? So it can't, it didn't stop and it can't start because it's intrinsically part of it. Time came after it, so it didn't start at a specific point. It's part of the God principle. This is how it's just manifesting right now. This is duality as we recognize it, because this is our loop, our stratosphere for it. 
but there are infinite dimensions of how the God principle imagines itself to be. It would be great if linear time came further back by the great, as if, you know, well, okay, great in terms of duality is the place of suffering and is there a way that there can be no suffering. The thing is that the suffering imagines itself. It, it's built into it. It imagines itself. This is the problem, isn't it, you know? It's what makes it okay and what makes it inevitable. And linear time is part of its creation. It knocks, it knocks these things out as it rolls into duality, you know? But it's just imagining it all. It's just imagining it all. It all. Um, because right down to the fact that we believing our thoughts creates the reality. It's, that's the next component of reality being created out of an imagining, out of imagination. There it is. It's the same principle the whole time. We believe something into our reality. Yeah, that's the God principle. That's how it does. That's not just us. That's the God principle, imagining itself to be something. And that's, that's what we call duality. But it's only a problem for us. It's not a problem for the God principle. You know? So, of course, it would be nice if, if, if it all wrapped up someday, but it, it really didn't start. It only exists from within it. You know, the option to see duality is only because, because our perceiving machines are, are making it up as we go along. It doesn't exist outside of this, because when you step away from it, there is no duality. It's just beautiful and full and rich. And it's like, well, where's duality then? It's like, there is none. So it's not that God sees that God created duality. It didn't. The perception, the ability to perceive duality is only from within duality itself. You know? What do you think of that? <laughs> it's a beautiful game. Yeah. Um, being born and then uh, going back into the unborn. Yeah. And that cycle. <laughs> but I think there is a point where. I mean, I feel that in my spirit that I say, well, I'm tired of playing. I would like just to be. Yes. And, and, uh, and it's almost like I don't want to die. It's like I don't want to go to the cycles. And so can, you know, I think many people are electing um, out of the reality. It's like I would like to opt out into oneness and to be there longer than I can you imagine? And uh, and so so it's like I I feel that part of myself is saying the game of duality is 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 a game that I would like to opt out of. But that thought only comes from within the dualistic realm. Yes. And if the opting out happens, there is there is no. The, there is no yippee! I made it. It's like there's no there's no kind of great. I'm now living in the non-dual realm. You you don't get to eat the candy, you know. You 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 don't because the thought is only is only in the dualistic realm. 
it doesn't follow through in the non-dual realm that that um, the the perceived peace or experience of living duly, non-duly, that, that perceived experience isn't there. It doesn't register the same way. It's like the desire to live in a non-dual way drops. It's a falling away of the duality. And the non-dual way was underneath all the time. It's actually there. It's just covered over by these thoughts that there's something better. So, so when the when the dualistic layers go and the non-dual layer is, is your experience, you can't run the idea that oh, this is better than how it was, because the whole comparing thing is kind of nutty. So you you don't get you get to get the cake, but you don't get to eat it, you know, because you can't you can't experience it in the same way. You don't have that ability to contrast because that part of your mind isn't working anymore. It's just, it's just not plausible. You just don't believe that thought system anymore. So from a dualistic perception, it's the goal, but it's also a raw deal. It's also empty. So it's a characteristic of the dualistic to just want something better. But once you want something better, you discover, but you're fine all the time. There's the non-dual. You're fine. It's fine exactly as it is. We just got to stop running the ideas that it's better if. It's better if. That's where the pain comes in. It's better if. I want to do this a different way. That thought is the pain. That thought is the pain. It's no place to get to. It's about not running those thoughts about there's something wrong or it could be better. It's subtle, isn't it? You know? It's subtle. Um, I have my last question for you is that you mentioned in that journey toward oneness that ayahuasca helped you. Yeah. Can you say something about that as a method of awakening? Yeah. There's a lot of different, you know, I don't know, plant medicines, I think is the group term. Um, and LSD is one of them too, and ecstasy is one of them, and iboga, and there's lots of different, you know, items that, that are available now. If they're held within a sacred context and used for spiritual purposes, they can be fantastic. Um, I did a good bit of sanctodaimi before I did ayahuasca. And Sanctodami is the one from Brazil. It's, it's, a, it's a feminine plant as opposed to ayahuasca is very balanced. It has the male and female vine and the leaves, two parts of it in the cooking. Um, I did a lot of recreational drugs in my teens and 20s. And I had huge resistance about it because I was like, I'm so not going back there. Because it was hard enough loop to get out of. And then it was like, I, I'm just, no, I'm not doing anything. Like, reality as it is now is just totally fine. It's just, that's, this is where it's at. And um, I ended up, no one's like, actually, I'm resisting this. I'm resisting this. The, just go back into it again and just know that there's no resistance, Jack. So the first medicine that I did was Sanctodami. And I went through every single, I, I think it was every single, it felt like it, negative trip on drugs 
on recreational drugs. And I vomited them violently out of my body. I was back in and whoops, the experience had come out. I was like, oh my God, I remember this one. A scenario where I was in the horrors, you know, just insects crawling all over you or, you know, when an acid trip goes wrong or something like this. And I vomited and vomited and vomited and it was like, okay, it's done. That's what that medicine was about. That's why I was resisting it because I didn't want to go into the, the, the dark side of, of those trips. Anyway, a couple of weeks goes by and I'm like, oh my God, I got to go back there. There's something... I, the way was, the, the way I had to just get cleaned out. Now, now, now it could do the work. Now I have to go back. So I did a good bit of sanctidining, um, uh, and it was interesting. But it was in within a, uh, it, it. It's it's the sacrament within a church in Holland. So in Europe, it's very much within the church scenario, and that had its limitations. And there was one ceremony where I I. I went way out beyond it. it I, I, I kind of got to see how it worked. It's like I got to the bottom of the sanctidiny and I'm like, I get it. I get what it's doing now. I get what's going on. I'm done. I've nothing new to learn here. I'm done. I'm done. And I tended to do that all the time with whatever practice, whatever teacher. Like hit, hit the glass ceiling and crack it and go on and hit it. And, um, and that, that day, I... Um, I vaginally bled profusely during the ceremony, like gushing, gushing. I thought, shit, I'm in real trouble here. And um, after the ceremony, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I didn't sleep for days. The, 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 the people leading the group couldn't bring me back, couldn't bring my body back. They were chanting and chanting, chanting over me, trying to pull me back. And I just knew, and I thought, they can't hold me. This plant can't hold me. Like, I'm so done with this medicine. So I came together, eventually I came together, and it took me quite a while to, to kind of normalize, to be able to work again or do anything, do anything at all, like I was just shaking and in pieces on every level. Um, so, so I was like, whew, that's the end of plant medicine, and I thought, let's see, it's the end of Sanctidiamine for sure, I've seen the bottom of it. Is it the end of plant medicine? I don't know yet. Um, and an ayahuascarian was coming to my area, and I did an ayahuasca trip with him, and all during the trip is like, okay, this guy, fair enough, but I, I need his teacher. I want to go his teacher. I have something to learn from his teacher. And his teacher was an 80-something-year-old 80, 80 guy in Bolivia. So I went to Peru, and I went to Peru and worked with him for a few weeks. And then I spent a bit of time in Bolivia, maybe I'd say maybe two and a half months total, doing quite a bit of medicine. And that was the ayahuasca phase. Um, Mostly ayahuasca, a little bit of San Pedro, a um, little bit of uh, peyote, really wherever I was drawn to try. I'd say the first six, eight, maybe ten medicines of, of ayahuasca were, sure, clearing stuff, dissolving stuff. A lot of it was just fun, like, you know, being on a power animal and riding from country to country I mean just tripping just tripping and I was like okay okay is this done I'm just having fun now that's great but I kind of need to not be fooling myself here and then it went to into a whole realm of I, I saw how things worked I just it's like I came into the engine room of consciousness and I knew it's like I've had this on the last trip and I completely forget about this when I sober up. Completely forget. That happened like eight, ten trips. I was like, I need to bring this into 
I need, I need to remember this. I mean, if I remember this, sure, it's clear. It's all clear. Like, there's an all-knowing now. Nothing, nothing at all. It's a mystery. And I couldn't bring it in. I'd wake up the following morning. I know there was something I was supposed to remember from that trip. I know there was something. What was it? What was it? In, not a clue. Not I couldn't do it. And then one day on one trip, it was like, okay, spirit, I know. I'm here again. And there's something in the Jack character that's got to get blown out because I can't bring this knowledge into the Jack character. She's too self-absorbed or she's too in something. What is going on here? Whatever it is, blow it out of her. Blow it out of her. That's when it started doing its magic. That was the, that really, if I had to say, what really did ayahuasca, what did plant medicine give me? It was that. It's maybe that I gave it permission to blow it out. It's like some part of me had a capacity to see all of it, but I couldn't bring it in when I was sober. Couldn't do it. Only when I was on the medicine. Um, and it, it was incredible how, how yeah, it's, it's like it started to break me down, really, really break me down. And, and it led me to other things. Um, I'd say maybe two or three trips after that, of when it's like, okay, this thing is breaking me, it all stopped. There, in that trip, um, that last trip, and it, it was a weird session. There was, there was some Mexican shaman who came to visit this place in Bolivia where I was, and he was kind of messing with like different plant medicines, taking them all in the one go. And I was like, okay, all right, let's go for it, Jack, just see. So you take ayahuasca, and an hour later you take peyote, and an hour later you take San Pedro. Crazy, crazy, crazy shit, crazy shit. But at the end, in that whole ceremony was about this, you have to puke this out of your system like you puke the recreational drugs. You've got to get closure on this and you stop looking to the west, you look to the east. I was like, the east, the east. Some clue, please, where am I supposed to go? It'll come, but you're going to the east. And that's where what you've asked for will be sorted. Plant medicine cannot break down what is in the Jack character. It could only show it to you. It could not break down what is solid and blocking this wider view that you have when you're on the medicine. If that's going to be embodied in your life, you've got to go to the East. Medicine cannot do that. And I went, okay, all right, I get it. For me, I've come to the end of plant medicine. And, uh, and yeah, like maybe, I don't know, a couple of years later, three, maybe, I don't know how many years later it was. Actually, I think it was a good few now that I think about it. I ended up in India, where this knowledge of like, oh my God, the stuff that I know, there's language for it. And I actually, it was like, it was there, but I didn't have the language for it. And when I started hearing satsang, it was like, oh, I'm reading it. It's like, oh, sure, I just need the language for it. That's all I needed. It was there. But I couldn't express it, couldn't, couldn't do anything. Just, there was just a knowing, but I couldn't bring it into, through my mind. You know? But I knew. I, I know, I know, but I can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Because I just didn't, it, some part of my mind didn't have the external words or the way to communicate yet. So that's what it did for me. That's the long story. <laughs> yeah.
Have we one last question before we wrap up, or how are we doing? Um, well, thank you for the story. I'm a child of the 60s to some degree. <laughs> <laughs> it was a recreation at the time, not necessarily. Sure. Growth, but I felt, I really felt under the right guidance, it could be growth. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's what I was looking for too in, in my, you know, like the 15 to 25. That's what I was looking for, but I didn't, I had no guidance at all either. It was just, you know, I, I would get wasted with my friends and say, well, what are we doing here? Oh God, she's off again. Like, would you stop that philosophical crap, you know? But I, yeah, but what, what, what really are we experiencing? It's like, shut up, Jack, you know, you're no fun. I used to get that in college, you know? Sorry, no, I, I appreciate it, I guess. I can, in my own way, all that to some degree. But, um, yeah, it was all good. Yeah. I never got sick and I never had. And anyway, this, um, what was my quick question was in working, I guess I'd say, or whatever, with beliefs and is it um, not sure my question is but is it uh, or does it matter I guess maybe it doesn't if you're working with the belief on a sit down here conscious level or I thought well well maybe you know if I go into what I call an spaciousness and bring in you know, a belief that is limiting. That might, because I like safety and nourishment, that maybe that would be a way of working somewhat with it. But do you need to be more conscious? Or can you use the, you know, divine intelligence to help you? Or I don't Yes. Yes. Everything is worth a try. Everything is worth a try. But for you, the safety issue will be waiting for you. You can create the container and do it within that, but eventually the container is going to be the problem. So, so I would use, if it were me, I, I would use the container until, until it's going to actually be the sabotage, the saboteur in the scenario. Use the container because you, you need the safety right now, and eventually the container is going to be the problem. Because the safety issue will have to be challenged. Because that's just a belief. The safety thing, the way you're talking about it, Terrence, is like the safety belief, the belief that you need. You need something supportive, an environment, or a, a context, or just something to hold you. That belief is fine for now. It's not ready to be squashed. But it will have to be squashed. You'll outgrow it. You'll outgrow it. So to keep an awareness there that that the idea that you're not safe, that can be thrown out someday, because you are safe. You are, you see. 
You are. Somehow that's what you're talking about, the psychedelics that work for me. I mean, that seems to say so. Yeah. Yeah. That might sound a little twisted, but. No, but it's how it's right It breaks down, you know, you transcend and go. Yeah, you do, but, but you know, you can. You can transcend and go out there, but if you avoid something, it's going to come up and bite you in the butt sooner or later. You can't get away from anything. So, like, do as much as you can, sure, within your safe container. But at some point, that is, that is going to come up and bite you in the butt. I'd, I'd be telling you a lie if I said, you don't need to, to break down that one. You will sooner or later. It's got to be clean. Go more into clean? Yeah. When there is a, a, a someone who has awakened, but they have bypassed some part of the belief system, some belief is still there, it's been protected, it comes out in a very distorted way. It comes out in an unhealthy way. It's like it festers. Yeah, that's kind of more of you resist, more it persists, kind of. Yeah. And it comes out, so it kind of ends up hurting more damage than what it could do. It ends up hurting people in some way. So I'm an advocate of be clean, be thorough, don't leave any stone unturned. Go as long as you can, giving yourself the safe container, but you will have to deal with it sometime. I. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to grasp that because I, I was grasping at a thing, but my mind was giving me an out of working with something that's it, obviously it can have value, but it ultimately is, you know, that too falls away, and you need I need to go to right to where I need to go. Yes, that's right. That's right. So there'll be a time for the container. There'll be a time when it actually will be done. You'll be ready for it. And you can hold on to that idea right now. It's like, I'm going to keep this container until I don't need it anymore. Can you buy that? Or is it a huge threat, the fact that it needs to go at all? Oh, no, it's not. I don't mean it's a threat. Great. I'm looking at it just... Um, I don't know why I was looking at it, but whatever the quote desire, that's not a really, I'm hoping it's more of a calling or something, is, you know, to, after all these paths and trials that had their moments, hopefully, or whatever, but. I'm just, I don't know what to how to put it, but looking to, you know, go beyond yes. where I've been. Yes. And, I, you know, not, I don't know what this is, know what this is, but. You want to take a leap? That's what you're saying? Perhaps. Yeah, then take a leap. But you'll, you'll, be in, you'll have to integrate it after you take the leap. But take the leap. 
Sure, why not? If that's what's calling you. Well, yeah, maybe it is a leap, and it's also I'm wondering, you know, just the motivation may not be the right word, but I'm something to keep me on instead of drifting off. Keep me on point, so to speak. Yes. Have a discipline that, that really helps you. Just something that you do every day. Yeah, but putting it that way, as you were talking earlier, there's something with more of a lifestyle. And yeah. Way, because I've never been part of the yeah. discipline and it kind of, my natural recoil against it almost. Right. But. Something, something that's a reminder yeah. to touch base every day with that part. True. Otherwise, you drift off. Yeah. And and your anchor might change. You know, it might be something for a month and or a year or a week, and then it might change. But as long as there's an anchor, just build it into your day without any big idea. Oh, I must, I must. It's not like that. It's like this supports me. This supports me. This is going to keep me on track. You know, just a reminder to refocus what, what you're at. And this last part I was thinking a little while ago and was, you know, this is kind of like a, to me, also, oh, you're dying to who you were type situation or something. Like, is that the right word? It's almost Buddhist in a way. Um, and yet, there's also a point where, you know, you kind of, you don't know who you are, so there's this dark, Middle ground, whether that's the dark night of the soul or they're just, just, just energy. And, but if you're in that kind of space and working in a benefit space, you begin to. You know. Yes, yes. And if you have access to that, whatever it is, spaciousness or light or that which transcends, go there. Go there. Let that be your anchor every day. But why well, I, I can be, I can experience. I believe I can. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been there for, but I, I still think I, I can work with that. And so, yeah. Um, Super. Dip into that. Just ten minutes every day. Dip into that. Because spaciousness, by its very nature, is where it all happens, or nothing happens. How we do it. So. Sure, and then you transcend space too, because you know. Yeah, space is just another concept. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry you brought that up. I'm just no, it's fine. trying to follow things mentally. Doesn't you know, I'm not wired for it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's fine. You, you, as long as you know, that's what we try to do was try to honor everybody's own path and, and just move things on a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, Good for you. I appreciate your help. And anybody else heard with that? How are? Is everybody okay? <laughs> yes, Brenda. You're panicked. Yeah. Okay. That's all right, Brandy. And I didn't want to talk about it because I wanted to take care of myself. Because we talked about how I don't have to be the person who needs anything outside of myself anymore. 
but I feel, I feel a lot of anxiety. And I'm just worried that I'm gonna have a really hard time tonight. Okay. But right now, right now you're just sitting on a chair with a microphone. Right. Right now. And the rest of it is in your mind. Okay. My body's um, like I'm winding. Ah. Can you surrender to it? Can you trust that you'll be okay? Okay. Yeah, maybe you'll transcend the fear, huh? Maybe. Yeah, fear is nothing. It's just an idea with a physiological response. That's all it is. Nothing can happen to you. You're just losing what you're not. You're losing a few old ideas. Welcome it. Okay. Everybody here would love to be where you are, girl. I know, but it's really scary. That's just fear talking. Yep. It's okay. You can let the fear have you, or you can just, you know, you have two options. It's like, okay, that's fear. That's that experience. I recognize it. Or you can say, okay, fear. All right, come on, show me what you've got. Show me what you've got. Show me what you've got. And it actually passes through. Okay. The resistance to fear. The resistance to fear. That's what makes it awful. But it passes either way. Fear is not going to kill you. It's just an emotion. It's just the strongest emotion that the ego can play. So it's just trying to fight. Thank you, I need to hear that. I feel better. Ah, good. That's all it is. Okay. Yeah, it's just trying to fight. It's like, I see you. I see you, ego. I see you. You're playing your trump card. Fine. Do what you like. Go on. I'm not buying it. very welcome you're very welcome thank you for coming you know otherwise I'd be talking this stuff to myself <laughs> <laughs> it's not as much fun <laughs> yeah I know God created me just to be here yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and vice versa <laughs> okay thank you everybody stay home and stay inside as much as you can pardon Oh, the clock's tomorrow. So it'll start to be half past 11, is it? Spring forward, fall back. Fall back. Fall back. We'll just change our clocks, yeah. All right. Okay. So see you in the morning. I know it was confusing me, as you can see. Yes, I'll see you at 10.30, according to the clocks. Okay. <laughs> Be gentle with yourselves this evening, huh? It's a lot that's moved today. Just be gentle.